This is Steve McLeod, and you are listening to Bootstrapped, the podcast for people running bootstrapped software companies. In episode 216, Ed tells me why and how he obtained a trademark for his business. We discuss when it's worthwhile to do this. We then talk about the trouble with having competitors clone your product or copy your website content. Hey Ed, a small story. I was living in Germany. I started my poker software, the first product I had as a bootstrapper. Mm. And I actually did it mostly just as an experiment to try and apply what I'd learned from online forums and whatever. I didn't actually mean for it to be a success. It was an accidental success. But something interesting happened. As I was living in Germany at the time, I would talk to German people about what I was doing. And person after person, usually with no business experience, would ask me the same question. Have you registered the trademark? Or a variant of the question, have you patented it? And the answer to both times was, both questions was no. I hadn't even thought about it. But it really got me thinking then, do I need to do this? Because I was thinking of it still as just a throwaway trial product to learn stuff. I didn't bother. Maybe I should have. But rumor has it that this is something you have recently faced and looked into and done something about. Is the rumor true? The rumor is true in that we recently got the trademark for our brand. I think you are correct. The key point of your story, though, is where you say it's people who have limited business experience who asked about this. Zero business experience. I was deeply skeptical about getting the trademark. And in the end, the only real reason we did it is because my co-founder, Mark Tobias, he discovered, I don't know, somehow he became aware of the fact that there is some sort of EU grant or subsidy for trying to help small businesses protect their intellectual capital. So basically the EU will pay you some or most of the funding that you need to file for your trip. So we did it. So I am now the proud owner of, hang on, let me look up the number. We now have an official trademark number. So anyway, yeah, we could talk, let's talk a little bit about trademarks. What are we? Yeah, I've never done it. Maybe I should, maybe I shouldn't. And I don't exactly know what it means, actually, that you've trademarked your logo, your business concept. What what is trademark? That's just it. Yeah, it's your logo. This Well, first of all, people think a trademark protects you in some way and it that the trademark just gives you the opportunity it's like a way to prove that you had a certain brand at a certain time so that then if someone infringes upon your brand you have that proof so it doesn't protect you unless you actively use it which is part of the reason i've been very skeptical about but not spending time and effort on this nevertheless i guess maybe first for some background I, there were, prior to, to my current business, I had a business. This is about, the one in London. This is the one in London, the real estate search engine that I had for about 10 years. And we had two different situations over the course of those 10 years where trademark issues came up and became meaningful. So in one case, we we had to change one of our brands because someone else had a trademark. And in one case, we had to get someone else to change their brand because we thought they were infringing upon our brand. So basically, when we started the company, our, our brand was called Nestoria. And our image was of a, a nest with a house in it. And the brand actually still exists. So if you go to nestoria.com, 
you can see it. Although I sold the company in 2015 and then since then it's been sold again, but nevertheless, the brand still exists. Anyway, so we trademarked this concept of a nest for in, in the context of online real estate. And so that's a very important point as well. You, you have to define kind of category in which your brand operates. So it's not that you can trademark your brand for all things, for all situations. Also, of course, you trademark it in a certain jurisdiction. Um, so at the time in London, UK was still part of the EU, so we had the EU trademark. Okay. Um, and I think you can also just get a national trademark or you can get the EU trademark. I, I don't know if there's a global trademark or you get it, just get other jurisdictions or whatever. Anyway, we just had the EU trademark. And then, so at, at some point we became aware that someone else was trying to start a real estate website. I forget exactly what their name was going to be, but it also used this concept of a nest. Okay. That's called uh, nest home or nest Air. Yeah. It was something like that. And actually... This wasn't just some independent bootstrap or whatever. This was actually a well-funded VC startup, also based in London, and contacted them. I was like, look, guys, sorry. I wish you every bit of luck with your project, but we don't think you can use this name because it's too close to ours. And they were quite far along on their project and did not react well to this at all. And we're like, no, you're wrong. We can do it. And and it got a little testy. And then I emailed back and was like, look, we have no choice but to defend our trademark. And we have the trademark. Here's the the trademark number. There are also online sites where you can you can search for trademarks and things. I sent them the link. And yeah, then we didn't hear from them. And but eventually then they did rebrand. Okay. Probably they contacted lawyers and the lawyers probably told them you're gonna you know, lose. To, you're gonna lose. <laughs> but was that you something that if you hadn't done that and they gone ahead, would it have hurt your business? Do you think really it would have con confused your target market? It's hard to know. It's very difficult to tell. It could well be their brand, their company never would have gotten off the ground or whatever. In fact, I think they have then since gone out of business. I haven't tracked it closely, but it's hard to say. The issue is if you don't defend your situation and then they do go forward, I don't think you can do it retroactively years later. There's some type of like first use or what is it? Prior art? Have you, oh, that's for patents. But if a push comes to shove and you go to a legal situation, if you can show that prove that you are actually using this logo and the name inside your industry first i don't i know I, you're not a lawyer and i'm yeah, not a lawyer I don't, I don't know steve i don't know you would think that would make sense on the other hand people would say we've been we've both been in the market for 10 years and it doesn't seem to have been impacting you so how why would right. it be impacting you now anyway then we had another situation so our primary brand was this brand nestoria nevertheless we had an experiment for a year or two where we created a different brand there's kind of an seo experiment where what if we present the content in a different way, what kind of SEO benefit that. So we have this brand called Gar2, which I don't know where, it, it means nothing in English. I don't think it means anything in any language, but maybe I think in French. It, it basically, we bought this French domain and- G-A-R or- G-A-R-T-O. G-A-R-T-O-O. -O. Okay, Gar2. It sounds like I, a made up name. Yeah, it sounds like a made up name. Anyway, and again, it was presenting, it was like real estate search with the different interface and stuff. And we eventually got contacted by this real estate property developer who, I, 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 this is so long ago, I don't remember the exact name, but it somehow had the term GAR in, in it. And they were like, look, this is too similar. We're both in real estate. 
and we think you should change your brand. And we had actually been already operating for a year or two. This was just a little side project. So it wasn't, we had never like really advertised it or anything. Anyway, so we we're like, oh my God, what a, what an annoying project. The last thing we want to do is have to change our brand and change the domains and particularly because we had built it as an SEO project. Mm -hmm. So it's like, mm -hmm. Christ, if we have to have new domains and we contacted our, we had a lawyer. And we're like, what do you think? Do you like, does, is this valid? Should we change? And the lawyer was like, yeah, you're, de you're definitely going to have to change. Okay. So you were in the opposite situation from the previous bit. Exactly. So now you realize why the right. Astoria competitor changed right. without putting up so, a fight. So we did have to change it all and it was super annoying. And so these are the, my two background experiences with trademarks. I've never, we've never had a patent or gotten a patent or anything. So I guess my, in our current business, Open Cage, we've been running also now for more than five years. We don't have a trade. We hadn't had a trademark. So clearly it's not like a critical thing, but what isn't until you need it. Yeah, I guess that's just it. And, but nevertheless, so we had this opportunity where we can get the, the costs refunded or the bulk of the costs refunded. And you know, even then I was still skeptical, but my co-founder was like, why don't we just do this? We can, you can, there are lawyers who will do it all for you. You just got to fill in the form and then they take it all forward. And so we did, and we got the refund very quickly. So most of the costs were covered and we, the whole process takes about, I guess it took us about five months in that it, time. first we had to contact a lawyer. It's because the lawyer then requested some information. We send the information, but then at some point they have to publish it. It gets officially published. And then there's like a waiting period. There's like a three month waiting period in which anyone can object. Some, someone can say, no, I'm already using a similar brand or whatever. Anyway, no one objected. So we know. If I had known, I would have objected during that. Just to be a thorn in your side. That's why I kept it as quiet as possible, Steve. Um, so what about actual time that you and your co-founder spent on this? Was it a suck, time suck? It wasn't because we used this lawyer. First of all, it wasn't for me because I, I also told Mark Tavius, I was like, look, if you feel strongly about this, let's do it. But you do it. <laughs> by, by let us do it, I'll let you do it. And so he, he took the lead on it. But I don't believe it really was much time because it was just the lawyer. It's a very standard process. And the lawyer sends you a form and then they'll send us your logo, tell us when, how long have you been using it, things like that. So you fill in the form. They do some very basic like searching to see if there's any conflicting trademarks that are already registered. In our case, there was not. As I said, you do have to specify which categories you operate in. There are like maybe, I don't know, thousands of different categories. And Mark Tavis picked our categories. There's one for like information technology or like data processing or something like that. And yeah, that was it. And then we got the, so you, I don't, you have to submit it to this official thing and you have to pay a processing fee, but then you take the receipt from the processing fee and you get that refunded from the, through the special grant. And what is that? Like a hundred euros, a thousand euros? Yeah, so euros? it's like a thousand euro. It's a thousand euro. So in yeah. our case, the total costs were the thousand euro processing fee. Plus we paid a lawyer to help us. I think the lawyer was like 400 euro and you could do it yourself. You don't have to have a lawyer, but it was just, uh, we thought it would be though the experts at it. And so it's simpler. And I think we got half of that. I, so you, the lawyer fee, we don't get refunded, but the, the thousand euro processing fee, we get refunded. So. Was it hard to find the right lawyer that you already had somebody that you've used in the past? Uh, there's a, they have these things called search engines and you just type in trademark lawyer. And actually we went with like 
trademarklawyer24.de or something. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't remember. There, there are many that will do this because it's such a standard thing, which also I leads see. me to believe you do have to question, like, what are they really doing for that 400 euro? Are they just, they're sending you a, a, a Word doc and saying, please fill this in, and then they forward it to wherever. So, And they probably have a 20 euro per hour assistant doing bulk of the work. What you're paying them for is the fact that they actually know they know system. the process. They yeah. know the process, yeah. Just do a search engine search for a particular lawyer. I'm scared I'm going to end up with somebody like Lionel Hutz, the lawyer from The Simpsons. Somebody yeah. who's good at SEO, but actually isn't very good at being a lawyer. Probably. The thing is, this is such a standard process that it's hard to see how they could get it wrong. I don't know. But maybe I'm being naive there. I don't know. Anyway, it worked fine. So the thing is, now we have this trademark, which it's funny because then when you get it, they're like, now if you want, you can put next on in your logo, you can put a TM. I was like, oh, I don't really want to do that. Your website at all to reflect that you have the trademark? On our, in Germany, you have to have what they call the Impressum, the mm -hmm. kind of about us page where you have to have certain legal information, like your legal right, address. The directors your, of the company. The yeah, your VIT so number and stuff. And so on there, I put our, we are the owners of EU trademark, one, two, three, four, five, or whatever. It hasn't led to a flood of new customers, if that's what you're asking. But it is, sucks time and kind of is helpful to do, is useful to do, but doesn't move the business forward at all. No, I guess in some small way, maybe it adds to some credibility, but... Again, the reason, the only reason I thought we should go for it is because it didn't suck that much time and it, yeah. nor, or cost. I, I, I wouldn't necessarily recommend it if you're, certainly if it's like day one of your business, I'd focus a lot more on getting customers than on getting a trademark. But. So here's a question for you. Has somebody ever ripped off your site, the site's content or marketing or anything, functionality? I have seen cases where we have competitors who have definitely copied some of the text from our site, like from FAQs and stuff like that. And I know because I, I wrote that text and they've copied some of the wording, but I have not had cases. It's not like anyone's copied our design or anything like that. So I don't know. I guess maybe in that regard, we're a bit protected in that our product is highly technical it's yeah. not just just copying the text on the web page isn't going to help you you have to actually build yeah. and run the product the feature upvote has been cloned down to the point of you know the same color scheme the same layout the same functionality wow almost identical i look at it and that's my product although i haven't seen anybody do that since we refreshed our design so what I've got is a outdated version of our design, but it's there and it's really annoying. And ultimately I don't worry so much because it's not the product by itself that is a successful business. It's the product plus the marketing. Yes. I would worry. The thing that's worrisome there is, is the SEO, right? Because it's viewed yeah. as like duplicated contact or things like that. I've definitely so. had that in terms of the more successful articles that I wrote on uh, inspiration from talking to people. They've done pretty well and our competitors have copied it. I guess they're using the tools that let them work out which pages we have doing well with traffic and they just rip it off. Not to the letter, they have taken the same structure and just rewritten paragraphs and so on. I've definitely seen that happen. Mm. That's quite annoying, especially one page in particular. I got the inspiration to write it by being at a conference at the Business of Software conference and there was the same question. I kept getting asked by people over and over when I talked about my business. 
and that inspired me to write a page about that. No, no keyword research tool would ever have given me that information. Right. And then I write this and we were doing really well getting traffic because of that for a while until the competitors worked out what we were doing. Hmm. I'm being very vague here because I don't want to give anybody else any more ideas. Well, Steve, what if someone out there starts bootstrapped AM, like a, <laughs> where the, a podcast where they just kind of, they rehash well, our, our insights. What if they're stealing our ideas that we're just, I don't know, this man. bootstrap web and uh, Brian Castle, one of the two hosts of that show will be uh, on this show very soon. And uh, there's, what's Arvid Carl's one? Um, Bootstrap Founder. There's, so there are quite a few podcasts like this with Bootstrapped in the name, but nobody's gone with Bootstrapped AM yet. Right. Huh. But I, I wouldn't call any of those ripoffs. They all very have their own angle and interesting hosts and so on. I've listened to a few of them. Uh, and there's even people completely outside of our world of Bootstrapped software companies with podcasts called Bootstrapped. And in fact, one of the first things I did when I took over this podcast and started a new incarnation was to work on the SEO so that we rank number one if you type bootstrapped podcast into Google. It's quite a common term, obviously. And then there's also the the whole bootstrap Java, you know, CSS and JavaScript framework clutters things up. So, Well, that was a big problem in the forum when we had it is that for a while, people would come and ask questions about the support questions for the bootstrap HTML framework. And it was a common thing to have to write to them, say, wrong forum. Or well, eventually <laughs> I got to the point of just deleting the posts without even doing that because there was just noise. Nice. Made people who didn't even take the time to pay any attention to what they saw on the screen. Sure, man. People don't read. People don't read. People don't read. Just... So I have a, a rather successful competitor. They started almost the same time as us. And they really did the whole promote self-promotion on indie hackers slash hacker news kind of path. Yep. And I think they were even interviewed by the indie hackers podcast or on the indie hackers podcast. And they, I see, they get cloned all the time. Every now and then I see somebody come another competitor announcing how innovative they are, how they had this great new idea. And I look at it and it's just so much exactly like this competitor of mine. And and I, I think mean, this is partly, I've avoided that by not being too vocal in those like indie right. hacker community. That is the, one of the risks of being number one is that everyone is going to attack you, copy you. And are they putting any new spin on it? Is it at least like, I could maybe see the case for cloning if you're doing it like in a different language or something, like you're clearly addressing a different community. I'm not, and obviously I don't think you should just clone sites pixel for by pixel but the fundamental concept of and there is value of course if, if the market leader has developed a new best, best practice and it's clearly working mm -hmm. then obviously yeah. people are going to copy that but I, I think that's a bit different than cloning straight yeah and what i'm seeing is cloning it's like almost pixel identical to to this competitor of ours look there's only so much you can do with a feature voting board right people make suggestions other people vote them up you, you have a couple of integrations maybe you have great search or allow people to do add images and whatever other things you can do but that fundamental stuff there are limits but it's just the fact that you've done that they've done this but the layout's just identical or maybe a slightly different color scheme or something other than that yeah i actually feel for this competitor of mine who i'm not naming but they're good guys i have no problem with them but i really feel for them that they have this constant barrage of of clones but, but i think most of these clones go nowhere 
because but they soon discover it's not just about having a product. It's about distribution and marketing. But that's the issue, Steve, is that like having a trademark or having a patent is not going to help you. It's not going to protect you against that type of behavior, particularly no. depending on which, which jurisdiction, which country these clones are in. But like, imagine some guy in India copies my service. I don't see any realistic viable path whereby I could legally redress that in a, in mm -hmm. any sort of cost effective way, whether I have the trademark or don't have the trademark or, you know, so that's why I've always been a bit skeptical about this. The, the other argument on this trademark thing that I've sometimes heard, which again, I'm also skeptical on, is that it's something if you eventually want to sell your business, it's something an acquirer will want to see. Is that and true? Do you think? I don't, I, 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 maybe it's true in certain industries, but I don't see that as true in our industry. I don't see it. It certainly wasn't true when I sold my desktop software a couple of yeah. years ago. There was no, as far as I can recall, there was no question like that. And I could maybe see if you have truly some kind of unique technology yeah. that, that you have the patents on that maybe, but really, I think it's marginal. Yeah. I, I just think. Or our SaaS products that just offer. CRUD screens or APIs, that yeah. really nothing novel. And in your case, I think you're built on free data, no? You're open data and we use many different open source software tools. Yeah. How did you come up with your name? Open Cage? Or do you mean Ed? Yeah. Sorry? You mean Ed? <laughs> Ed or I'm pretty sure that Ed wasn't your choice, but you've just decided to keep it. Open Cage. How did you come up with Open Cage? So my, my, my surname is Fry Fogel which means free bird. What we say on the site is that open cage has to do with the fact that open data is fantastic, but there's a, some technical complexity around using it. It's trapped in this cage of technical, uh, difficulty. And so by we're opening the kit, we're letting it, we want the word open in there to show that it's open data, but we're, we, we're solving, we're letting it out of this cage of technical complexity, but. The reality is, of course, my, my surname is Freifogel, which in German means free bird. And so I, had, I, at one, some point I was like, oh, I should, before we started, um, this business like 20 years ago or whatever, at some point I was like, oh, I, I should get a domain for myself. And then I was like, Freifogel is hard to spell, particularly because the way my family spells it, it's, um, a German name, but then it's been Americanized anyway. So as like free bird, I, I kept trying to do variations on Freebird, and then it came up with the idea of open cage. So basically I had that domain and, and I would sometimes use open cage and that's where it came from, but it is, a, it's a good, I don't know. I, I like the name also because we have many competitors who, not many, but many players in our space, they, their and name has some geo various, something. They, geo either, either geo, yes, geo or geo or map, uh -huh. somehow it has the word map in it. Mm -hmm. which kind of limits you, right? In the sense that we have some competitors who they do maps, they also do geocoding, but no one thinks that they do geocoding because their name has the word map in it. And so people fixate on the map. And so the, like uh, the best example being Mapbox or, but also they get lost because there used to be so many, there was Mapbox and MapZen and all these other different map sites. And actually it was the same thing at my company, Nestoria. When we started at that time in the UK, there were all these different real estate sites. And usually in the UK, the word they use the phrase that talk about property, not about real estate, find a property finder and, and several other variations on that. And 
we would talk with people and literally people would not know which site they were on because the names were so similar. They would, they'd be like, oh, I used such and such site. And then they start describing it. And I really liked the, the, the color scheme and the usability and, and, but they're describing a different site and they wouldn't know. They wouldn't, they get, they would completely get mixed up. I do think there's value in having a distinctive name that, that mm -hmm. stands out from the crowd in your sector. Um, okay. so. Back uh, a long time ago, 20 odd years ago, when I started a consulting business in Melbourne, Australia, I came up with a brilliant name. I don't remember what it was, but I thought it was brilliant. And then I went to the office you have to go to to register a business name. Yeah. Taken. They told me you have to make a list of the of five names. Um, okay. Brilliant one at the top, almost as brilliant. Number two, not quite brilliant, but pretty good. Number three, number four, whatever. Number five, which is my surname plus some word. I yeah. got number five. It's uh, really hard to get a unique name that's memorable and so on. It is hard. Everything's been taken and every domain is already squatted and pretty, particularly if you want to get the .com and it's a challenge. It's, yeah. it's not simple. Yeah. Naming is hard. Isn't it one of the two big problems in computer science? Cache and validation and naming? And off by one errors. There you go. I set it up. I'm uh, glad you took it. All right, so that's all I got on trademarks, Steve. Do you have any other further, further questions or are you going to rush out and get your trademark here? I'm not, no. It's interesting to hear why you did it. Um, you haven't given me a very convincing argument. You've often said, yeah, I'm dubious, I'm skeptical. I don't even know if we really should have done it. So you're not, you're not selling it to me. Although it is interesting that it saved you a bit from a, a headache when you had your company in London. Yeah. Like I said, I don't think we would have done it unless there were, there was this grail that reimbursed the cost for us. So yeah. I'll yeah. send you the link. Maybe you can add it to the show notes so that, yeah. um, Listeners out there who are in the EU can, if you think it's worthwhile for your business, I think it might also depend on the sector. Maybe probably if it's a consumer good or whatever, maybe people there expect right, companies right. to have trademarks or whatever. So given yeah. that you can get it for near free, maybe it's worth doing. So and, you know, Armani and Gucci and so on. These companies are about the brand more than yeah. anything else. Whereas you and me, we're about the product. Well, I hope I am. I assume you are. I'd be really interested to hear from you listeners if you have any experience with trademarking, if you've decided to do it, and especially if you have a story where it was really helpful, this would be interesting to hear. So contact us via the website, steve at bootstrapped.fm or on Twitter. All right, let's wrap it up. Before we go, listeners, I also have another favor to ask. If you have a friend or a colleague who would enjoy this episode, please share it with them. We'd really appreciate that. Okay, bye, Ed. See you next time, Steve. Bye. Bye, everybody.